Welcome to Roadcase, the podcast that explores the live music experience. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Josh Rosenberg, and I'll be taking you on a journey through in-depth interviews with performers and key people in the industry to explore the magic of live music, how it can be totally transformative for both fans and performers, and we'll look at how they take it all out on the road. It's going to be a great ride, so here we go. Okay, welcome back to Roadcase, everybody. This is your host, Josh Rosenberg. I am so psyched to be here for this episode with Jason Bala of the band Dead. Uh, if you're here for the first time to listen to me and Jason talk, welcome to the Roadcase community. If you are a regular and or longtime listener, thanks so much for your support. And I'm really psyched that you're here for this one. There's a number of different ways that you can get involved in the Roadcase community and help support this podcast. Really easy way is to follow us on social media. We're uh, we're at Roadcase Pod is the handle, and uh, we're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So give us a follow there. Uh, another good way to get involved with uh, with Roadcase is to email us with your questions, comments, concerns. Our email is info at roadcasepod.com. You can also find out more information about the show by visiting our website at www.roadcasepod.com. Another great way to uh, support Roadcase is to f- subscribe to this podcast on your favorite listening platform. So on Spotify, that little box that says follow, just hit that. Uh, if you're on Apple Podcasts, for example, there's a little check mark up in the upper right-hand corner. You can just hit that one. Doing so on those two platforms and other platforms will allow you to receive updates as to when new episodes come live. And also by subscribing to the podcast also helps Roadcase quite a bit to raise its visibility on those streaming platforms. Uh, Another great way to support Roadcase is to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. You just scroll down a little bit and you see those stars, hit a bunch of those stars and you can leave a review as well. Really helps the show. So thanks for that. So I'm really excited to have Jason Bala here from the band Dead. Uh, The band, um, it's an amazing three-piece band. They are tight, spare, and really beautiful, filled with amazing emotions and complex, passionate lyrics. Uh, Really love these guys. They're just holding down the fort for uh, indie bands in Chicago, and I just love these guys. They have a new album out called Blue Skies. It's out on May 27th, which is coming right up. Uh, They have a bunch of tour dates uh, in May. That is right now. And uh, for all you Chicago people, they have a Chicago date uh, at the Metro on June 4th. And from what I understand from Jason, that's going to be a record release show. So come out and check that one out. And uh, give me a shout out too, because I'll be at that show. Would love to say hello. Uh, Then after uh, June, they're off to some dates in Europe. And uh, just from a timing perspective, I spoke to Jason back in mid-March, just how the timing kind of works out sometimes with uh, podcasts, uh, hence the winter talk and uh, talk about cycling and the cold weather, etc. But uh, their new album is forthcoming, forthcoming Blue Skies. It's out May 27th. And uh, it's also produced by Jason as well. We talk a bunch about uh, production, a lot of his live sound engineering, uh, in addition to his amazing work within this band and other things that he's really involved in. He's just a really stellar human and really fun to talk to. I know you're going to love this one. So thanks for being here for this episode. And I want to send a special thank you to Jason Bala of the band Dead for being here on this episode of Roadcase. And here we go. Okay, Jason, how are you, man? Welcome to Roadcase. Thanks so much for being here, dude. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. And we're both in Chicago again on this kind of bright, sort of bright, sunny day. Like, how badly are you hoping that winter is over? Like, what's your, what do you, I'm taking odds when I talk to people now because they're like, okay, maybe it's going to be done. But then people are like, no, it's going to get colder. And it's such a, oh, it's such a hard time of the year. (laughs) Do you feel the same way? I like love the the new sunshine, but I'm also like I, like all my friends have been complaining about this for like probably three Forever. months at this point. <laughs> yeah. I'm like I like the winter, like I like kind of being cold. I, I like I, I ride my bike, so it's like oh you do you get oh, to like cool. ride your bike through the winter and like no one else is around. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. 
I like I like to suffer, so I don't know. Give it, <laughs> give me three more months of like zero degree weather. Let's Wait, go. so you like the gray? Uh, what I don't like about it is just gray and ugly and cold all the time. Like uh, <laughs> the cold, I'm I'm okay because you can put on a, you know, you put on a coat and I'm fine. I don't really suffer mm-hmm. from the cold that much, but it's just kind of the grayness and grossness. But res- that. respect that you're a cyclist. I'm I'm a cyclist as well. Um, oh, yeah. In Chicago, that's a great place to do that. Have you been like cycling around all the time, like for commuting or whatever, or getting around from like place to place? Thirteen years or something, like as long as I've lived here. So, oh yeah, cool. Yeah. It's a great Love town it. for riding. It's flat. flat. That's kind of all you can ask. We were just in San Francisco, and I was just like, <laughs> every time I go there, I'm just like, I still don't understand how the fuck people. Do this. <laughs> They're in good fucking shape, man. Is the thing. <laughs> <laughs> Chicago, you could you can bike everywhere and still be in horrible shape. You know, it's perfect. Well, I got one word for you: wind. Yeah, true that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Eddie Merckx, the famous cyclist, like world famous, amazing competitive cyclist, was like, my training partner is the wind. Oh, shit, really? That's kind of like, go out into a headwind, come back in the, uh, with the the tailwind. So, yeah, yeah. I just I just had one of those the other night where I was like, you know, I had, had a, some wine with some friends and it's like only like a couple miles away, but it's like that one... I was on Milwaukee and it's just like, okay, today the day wind is blowing exactly in the opposite direction that I need to go. Right. And you're like just biking in place. Yeah, basically, you know, but it's the brute force method of cycling. If you just keep putting one leg in front of the other, you will get there eventually. <laughs> True. It's kind of a good metaphor for life, actually. <laughs> How mm-hmm. many wrecks have you been in? Uh, got... Only like three. Yeah. But nothing too bad, like nothing to like write home about, like... I don't know, ran into a car once, ran into the ground once, you know. They ran into the ground. Yeah, that tends to happen when you fall off a bike. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, man, you're a professional musician who uses his hands, and the hands are always the first thing that goes down, you know, that hits the ground. So be careful. <laughs> Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. We, me, and, uh, me and Eric from the band, uh, he just built a uh, – he's been, like, skateboarding a ton. So he, he just built this, uh, like, a box – and so we were like skating on the box and I like took a big fall. I'm like, oh yeah, like I'm going on tour in a week. Probably not the right. best idea, but. Yeah. yeah, but it's uncool to wear the wrist bracelets and things like that. I don't know. Wear, wear gloves when you ride. At least you won't get scraped up. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and they keep your hands warm. Presumably you do. So, so many exciting stuff happening with Dead. You have a new, uh, new album coming out in May, Blue Skies. And this single, Bad Love, is really amazing. And you're, you Co- and you produce the new album, which is phenomenal. And um, are you? Tell me about your life as a as a as a producer and how that kind of came about. It's kind of funny because like it basically started out of being in the band, anyways. Like mm-hmm. our first ever, you know, tape that we put out was our, we had a friend kind of record us. Actually, in um, that guy from. Uh, early Wilco J Bennett. It was like his uh-huh. kind of post posthumous studio. So all of his, it was like kind of a weird, it used to be like a, like a Polish boy scout clubhouse <laughs> where, where it was turned into the studio. And we didn't know anything that we were doing. So we're like, okay, yeah, we'll come in here. And we recorded. And then ever since then I like was just borrowing gear, recording and mixing the records. Like I would have to like, I didn't even have like a computer to do it. So I'd have to like bike to Pilsen go, uh, borrow my friend's computer when he wasn't mixing Mm -hmm. um so i basically just have learned how to record and uh produce records throughout like the lifespan of this band yeah yeah and how has that progression gone how how do you feel you're at right now i mean i think it's good to feel like you don't know anything all the time uh which Mm -hmm. is i guess how i feel but i feel competent in not knowing what i'm doing you know i know how to turn it all on so (laughs) i think you're being humble though (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, I, I, for this one especially, like we uh, started working with Fat Possum, mm-hmm. um, so it was like, and our last record did pretty well, and so it was kind of like the first time, like maybe there was like more eyes on us or something like that. So I was yeah, kind of like, yeah, that can. Kinda... I'm ready to step up to the plate, you know? Oh, good. Yeah, I yeah. Cork, I corked my bat and I, I got up there. Right on. You corked your bat. <laughs> That's a good. Are you a baseball fan? No, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There's been situations where guys have broken a bat and like all kinds of shit has come out from the middle of the bat. Those guys. Don't, oh, yeah. Those guys don't play anymore. I mean, th- that's like the era that I grew up in. So it's like I knew about like Sammy Sosa, Mark. Like, <laughs> right. That's like my only lens into the baseball world. I'm like, cork bats. Good. Wait, did you grow up in Chicago? Mm hmm. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. The Sammy Sosa. God. Yeah. Wow. Those were interesting days. Um, yeah. So producing and it's such a, um, it, I, I love how just on the, in doing my research with the band and listening to, um, various parts of the, the catalog, especially the last album, flowers, devotion, flowers of devotion. Am I getting that right? Flower of devotion. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> um, so, in going back through the catalog and listening to your uh, your the prior album, especially Flower of Devotion, this new album, Blue Skies, at least from the one single that I've heard, has a it's it's very beautiful and textured, and I and I, and I just I love what you've done with the band's core sound, and I also love how in the early albums it feels very uh, a, a sort of spare but danceable and very emotional. And I think the way that you've captured this is really, uh, if I can gush just a little bit about it, I think it's just like a really kind of beautiful encapsulation of sort of, it seems tried to say like where you are, but it's a really beautiful feel. And I'm like, oh, this is, I, I feel so amazing listening to how, to, to where you are now in comparison to where where you've been. And um, does it, was that kind of, how did you feel about that? Was it in your, was it kind of in your head, like a certain sound that you wanted to achieve? I mean, you're saying, okay, I just turn on a button here and there, but clearly you're <laughs> going for something, man. Yeah. I mean, like those early records, like, especially the, like kind of the first proper record we did water. It was like, I guess maybe where I was at at the time and just sort of what was interesting to me was like super minimalism and like, just like the concept of like space in a recording and mm. So it's just kind of like, you know, the band in itself is just a floor time snare, bass, guitar, and then voices. So it's like, there's not that many instruments at play. And so it was kind of interesting just to make this thing that was like super spare and then just like made a lot of room for vocals. Like yeah. even the drum, the, the drum set doesn't have like cymbals. Like the first time a cymbal has ever made it on to a dead record is on this record. <laughs> And you you'd have to li- you have to listen close to just hear it because like it's like buried one song buried just like just in the chorus <laughs> right right um, and so then like kind of just I think you know maybe that's also like a function of like what I knew how to do well was to just like make things loud and like exciting because mm-hmm. my background's in like doing live sound mm. so like I've been like a touring live sound engineer for mm-hmm. basically like my whole adult life and so. For me, that was like, oh, you, you make things exciting, you, you you turn it up and it's like a loud rock band and it's fun. And so then now it's like, oh, yeah, records are their own medium. They don't have to sound like a band. And we had more time, like through and through, like I've been building up this home studio and we've been getting a little funding to like record. So rather than, you know, go work with some big names or something like that, I was just like, we'll take more time in a studio that has all the tools we need. And then we can develop this kind of texture that you're talking about, where it's like, we're still a simple band, but like, how can we make this like deeper and wider and just like serve the songs more? Because yeah. like I, at the end of the day, it's just like kind of like about our voices. and Yeah. Well, you said something interesting. You said like, uh, I'm probably not quoting you properly, but something conceptually like records are kind of records, but, you know, live, you can make it sound like a band. Yeah, I mean, like, it's what like, can you uh, tell me? Tell me what that means to you. I'm like constantly fighting this feeling, like when I'm recording stuff, that like I just want it to be like, you know, I want to be like listening to it, like if I'm at like a concert where it's just like all around me and it's just like blowing my hair back. Yeah, and it's like fundamentally, it's like who's listening? Like half the people are listening on their phones. Like you know, it's just like <laughs> it's just not like that. Like, and I'm always like, I just want to get like knocked over with the sound yeah so it's like trying to figure out how to do that without volume because like you know that's why like live music is so exciting yeah well you can push the volume at people right like you can't tell people okay you want this is a song you need to turn up to 11 on your stereo they're like fuck you i'm not i'm gonna listen to it at the volume i want to that's an interesting perspective yeah that too right yeah 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 and it's like when you're like in a room controlling the sound you're like oh no you're gonna listen to it at the volume i want you to listen to it at Totally. And I mean, we're not like a, we're not, you know, like a stoner metal band or anything. Yeah, like, it's yeah, not like, it's yeah. not like you, you go home and you're like, what? Like, what, what did you say? I can't hear you. But uh, there is something just magical about like 
something that's loud and just like uh, sound bouncing off all the walls instead of like you know whatever bar like yeah like the empty bottle that you mentioned earlier it's just like it's how do you how do you do the visceral in a recorded medium and like make people understand that just from you know what's coming out of two little speakers in their headphones or whatever yeah so what were you thinking about when you did that what are some of the things that that kind of you you attempted to achieve to make that happen Mm, I think like taking a lot more time to work on just like tones in general, like because we had more time, it was like, you know, the there's only two drums in the drum kit, but we like, I think I must have had like 12 mics on these drums, you know, it's just like, oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. I just like want to make them like huge, you know, at least sound huge, if even if they're not like, you know, blowing you away, like in volume. Right. So like, just like kind of capturing depth. And I think one thing way I've learned how to do that is like multiple mics and like mics in different places in a room. And then just like, yeah, spending a lot more time with the arrangement, like of just what other extra instruments are there. And like, I think kind of like being devoted to what the main melodies are rather than like, I have this impulse to just like, here's a cool guitar line and here's another cool guitar line on top of it. And like Mm. this time I was a lot more just like, this is the this is the guitar line and then like what can I do to just like draw your attention to it here and there where it creates this like I don't know listening environment where there's like a carrot always held in front of you and like leads you to the next place mm-hmm. um do you know Ardo Lindsay um from DNA no I don't uh he's like you know old no no wave uh New York band but he's like a producer who I like had read this quote from because he like produces a lot of Brazilian music now mm-hmm and he was kind of talking about that's how I've like metaphorized it in my head, but like just about kind of like leaving these little surprises along the way through a song where you're like, oh, wow. And then it kind of like is that little dopamine rush or whatever to get you to the next exciting little like treasure that you're yeah, finding, like yeah, you're on yeah. a little treasure hunt throughout the song. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've done that. I mm, I love that concept of like, I'm just thinking about how the 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 sound presents itself on the single bad love and you've that you've had a ton of different microphones and a microphone like an ambient microphone in the studio just to kind of capture everything and then you mix that in as well that kind mm-hmm. of explains a lot <laughs> yeah it's like a i don't know we're at like at like our heart i think like a rock and roll band but we i think especially on this record it was like well how what are what are all the different kind of clothes that we can dress this rock and roll band up in and like kind of getting away from just like what it originally started at in our practice space which is like fundamentally how we write all of the songs it's just us jamming in a practice space yeah. you know mm-hmm. yeah, nothing too gl- nothing glamorous you know it's like this really shitty practice space <laughs> but it's just us playing in a room so it's like that's great and i think uh it's super fun to see live but it's like how can it be different from that also i don't know yeah 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 tell me about your experience in live sound engineering and how you got started with that and where you've been what you what you've done with it um i was actually like it <clears throat> i started um i guess i like fell in music in love with music like i don't know like in my like early teens mm-hmm. and started playing in like some shitty emo bands and that kind of thing and then um i was like figuring out what to do for if i was going to go to college or anything mm-hmm and so I happened to be working at the Empty Bottle throughout, like, my end of high school, like, just doing just, like, kind of random shit for them, like, hanging out posters and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was working at Dan Deacon show, actually, and I met this guy who was running sound at, at the uh, the concert. And it was, like, when he was doing this round robin thing. So, like, I was only, like, 17 years old or something, and I was just, like, hanging out. And, like, there was, like, 40 musicians all from Baltimore at that, like, era when Baltimore was just, like, blowing up. And there was, like, a million cool bands. Um, and that's like where I saw Beach House for the first time mm-hmm. and uh, it was just like kind of blew me away to be like behind the scenes on something that was like so special and then also be treated as like a peer even though I was just like this little kid that was like guarding the backstage you know yeah yeah Um, and I met this guy and he basically told me he's like don't go to school he's like I'll teach you to do sound and so I basically was like cool like I'm not gonna go to school for sound I'm gonna do this instead Um, so I moved to the city and went to college anyways but i didn't study music and then uh or anything like that and where'd you go i i went to depaul Mm -hmm. study uh creative writing and business nice nice yeah did you graduate i did yeah great congratulations 
Thanks. Um, but yeah, so I just learned through that. So I, I started at the Empty Bottle doing sound. Um, I learned how to do it there. And then eventually, like, I went on tour. The first one I did was my friend's bands were opening up for the Breeders. Uh-huh. I had, I had, like, almost never even really been on tour before. And that was, like, my first tour. Right. Didn't fuck it up too much, I guess, because then <laughs> I just kept doing it and uh, worked for another cool band from here called Disappears from mm-hmm. back in the day. And mm-hmm. then... um. Since then, I like my main gigs were working for this band Twin Peaks from Chicago. Yeah, I love that. Um, yeah, excellent band, great friends, and uh, uh, Proto Martyr and Preoccupations. Those were kind of like my last couple tours that I did before I, before the pandemic hit. And then I was like, I guess I'm not a touring engineer anymore. I'll just be a musician again. Oh, uh, okay. So you were you were touring as their sound person with them, Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was last time I saw them was like right before the COVID hit in March of 2020 at the Hi Fi. In Indy? Oh, yeah. Were you yeah, at that yeah, show? Totally. I was. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. It was great. Yeah, Rookie opened up for them. That was that was a cool show. That was like um, the yeah. swan song before COVID. That's like today, almost exactly two years ago to the date, right? Like, that was March 11, 2020. Or March 10. Cra- March 10. It's crazy how far, that, uh, how far away that seems. Even though I guess it wasn't really that long, but I'm like, a lot of life lives. I'll never forget. I won't forget that show anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. just from that aspect of being kind of a historical road mark sadly totally yeah yeah, yeah. The, I, we played a few shows right before that happened too and it was like the three days before tom hanks got covid basically and it was just like each day it was just like no like you know lots of people then like half room and then like five people came to the show and then we were all like at that last show we're like think this is going to be the last one for a while i know i like, went might down, as well enjoy it yeah i'm friendly with the band goose and i was on my way to see them at covington at the uh the um the madison theater in covington which is a oh, great sure. great fucking room oh I played there a long time ago yeah such a great room and cute little town too i love that little town i had i had breakfast the next morning in this really cool like you know like the midwestern coffee shop breakfast place right like mm-hmm. original vibey kind of place like that i mean I don't mean vibe in like Chicago hipster vibe. I mean like Midwestern straight it's like up. Actually, a diner. Yeah, yeah, a diner. Right, right, right. So yeah, so so you did so you did Turing Sound, and then so once well, yeah, once COVID hit, of course, you're like, I'm not doing this. This is not really going to happen anymore. Um, but you were doing both. You were both touring with and and being a part of Dead and your other side projects, and then um, you guys were at the time producing uh, Flower of Devotion at the time, or it was already in the can. And then uh, you kind of delayed the the release for that, and it's sort of just been full steam ahead with 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 your with your bandmates from that from that point. Totally. Yeah. It's, I feel like super lucky. I'm like, oh, wait, I think I can be a musician right now. It's like kind of an amazing feeling. Yeah. Well, what was it like doing both? I mean, you were, you've, you're, you're a juggler. You're juggling a number of different side projects. You had the, now you're <laughs> telling me they had the sound engineering gig while you're still in dead and like three other side project bands or however many it, it is. Probably th- I, I, it could be three, I guess. Um, it's just one now. I had to like, I was losing my mind. So which, like, yeah, I'm losing my mind. Which one was it? Uh, I, I'm, I do like a solo thing called like accessory now. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I've, I've been in so many, like, yeah, I've had so many bands, uh, of various sorts, like throughout the time and like, yeah, a lot of tenure happening at the exact same time. Um, the craziest like culmination of it was that year before the pandemic where mm-hmm. I went to U- Europe for the first time for tour, dead went for a whole month. And then two of those weeks was opening up for Twin Peaks where I was doing sound and opening the show and in the band. And I was like, I have, I have no life anymore. I'm just guitar player and then knob turner. Like that's all, all I I sleep. And then I just do those two things. Yeah. Well, and does it feel less onerous to you? Cause it's like, it's music, right? It's what you want to do anyway. Right. It's just, it is time. It's, it's hugely time consuming and your free time was like nil because you're on the, you're, you can't like just go off and do whatever because you know, you got to do your job for the, the headliner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's kind of nice. Like I like the humbling aspect of it. Cause you can like play some great show and you're like, wow, that was sick. And then you're like, all right, back to work. Like don't, don't, uh, don't indulge in the luxury, you know, like, yeah, put it all in perspective, all the praise too much, you know? Yeah. Right, right. Um, so what was it like in sort of the early DIY kind of scene for, for Dead um, early when you guys first got started? I mean, there was a lot of cross-pollination with different bands in Chicago. Um, tell me a little bit about your 
life in that world early when you first, uh, I guess, was that while you were still at DePaul or kind of after? When did that sort of initially start when you first met Emily and, um, uh, and, and Eric and sort of developed the band and, and started kind of moving forward and doing gigs? Um, basically, like, had some friends who lived across town and, like, invited me to I had went to like one DIY space that doesn't, I mean, none of them exist anymore, but um, that was kind of like the most crazy one I had ever been to. And that was like my first one that I just kind of like, I don't know, stumbled my way into. And it was like pretty eye opening. I was like, people can do this and they can just do whatever they want at this. Like it was at this like three story warehouse um, in kind of like the Southwest side. And it just like the amount of possibility like blew my mind. And then I, I happened to meet some friends that, we're connected to this place called animal kingdom, uh-huh. which is fundamentally like where I met Eric and Emily yeah. basically. Cause, um, at the time Eric was like, that was like his crew of friends. And then Emily was living in Atlanta, um, and was doing like DIY touring herself for like many years. And so mm-hmm. happened to kind of come, come through. And then we all met at the show. And then, um, basically from like my first, taste of that life i was like this is just like what i'm going to do all the time so i was like i was just there and at all the other spots like as much as possible because it, it like we were just talking about it i was talking about it with my friends and obviously like things have changed a lot and like i don't i don't hear about the shows going on maybe it's because i'm like kind of older now and now like all the cool kids that are running these things just don't tell like the old geezer like me you know or whatever it might be <laughs> not that I, I think i'm old or whatever but Sure, they'd be honored to have you show up, dude. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You know, it's a. Uh, I, I think the the changing of the guard is always good, but it was. It's just like an exciting place where anything's possible, and there's so yeah. many shows going on. It was like the inspiration was just like thick. Yeah, interesting. I mean, I, I know I had read you said something um, about that particular time in general, or maybe I've got the the, the context. Um, you can correct me on the context, but something that really struck me was that you said, you know, that you just wanted to do something because you care about it, that you yeah. wanted to be in something that you were kind of fully into and had your heart completely in. Um, mm-hmm. Tell Tell me about that a little bit. I mean, like... Music for me has just like, I guess it's been an obsession or something, but like, you know, like the first time I found it, that wasn't like the first band I listened to was like Queen. And I was like, oh, I love Queen. I just had their greatest hit CD and that's like all I listened to. (laughs) But then like when I first found like a new band that was like doing something that like I had never heard before, Mm -hmm. like this guy like that worked for my dad, um, wound up, he, he's like my connection to the empty bottle. Like he, he was just like, hey, you like music? And he's like, he gave me a bunch of records one day. And right. I was just like, what is this shit? Like, I've never heard anything like this. And people are saying weird shit. And like, <laughs> it doesn't sound right. Like, and I am I was just like obsessed. So I was like, ever since then, I was just like, I just want to be as close to this. and Like the avenues of possibility. You, you, got, you had your mind blown, basically, that you couldn't, that this doing whatever you wanted to do was possible. In a, in a sense. Is that like a fair characterization? Yeah, and I still want to do that. I just want to do, like, I just want to try to do whatever crazy thing that I can and, like, I don't know, push it or, like, try to find some new pockets of things that I haven't discovered, you know? Yeah, I love that excitement, man. You're kind of, I mean, your eyes light up when you start talking about that. It's really fucking awesome. It's awesome. (laughs) I mean, that's why I got this shit in my house, you know? It's like I just have to walk walk 10 feet over here and then I get to, you know, zone out for however long. Yeah, totally, totally. That's fucking awesome, dude. Um Tell me a little bit about sort of you've, you've, you've spoken about how you like to build your guitar around lyrics and around what Emily's doing and sort of shape a song that way. Can you, can you tell me a little bit about sort of how you, how you go about that and what your, your thought process is musically? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of funny cause like a lot of the main guitar stuff happens like before most vocals are in there. Cause it's like, you know, we'll just like catch an idea and then like jam on it and then like either me or emily is just like we have but you know uh. in the room we're all just standing there someone might just happen to hit a note and we're like okay that sounds pretty good like what comes next and then basically once we kind of get this l- groove or whatever we'll just start yelling on the mics whoever has got the first idea and then like sometimes we're doing it at the same time and then we're like yours is better than mine or like vice versa and then uh. and then that's kind of where it goes so 
at least with the beginning kind of things it like kind of sets the mood and then and then it's kind of an interplay conversation for the most part you know like it's kind of melody first and then vocals find their way and then maybe vocals kind of like take over and lead the rest of the song um but as far as like single notes it's just like that's just kind of what i've always when i like picked up a guitar for the first time that's like kind of what came out and i also started playing bass so i wonder if it's maybe also part like I was like, this is just as much. I didn't. I don't. I still don't really know like the names of most of the chords, other than power chords or stuff that I know how to play. So it's like, my mind thinks in just like melodies rather than like this. Like, Interesting. So of, you said you used to play bass. Yeah, that's when I was playing in the emo bands. I was playing bass. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that explains a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I I started playing bass again recently, uh, just like for fun in my room, and it's so sick. I'm like, why did I stop playing bass? It's awesome. Yeah, God, I always threaten to like get a bass because I like want to mess around with that and you know play a little bit of guitar. But yeah, just be able to play, sit there and just play that backbeat and just be in it kind of from a different angle, right? It's so sick. I I've been like I dance music and like more like repetitive rhythmic stuff as like I've been a lot more interested in lately too. So like. I feel like, you know, it's like the bass is the the feature of a lot of that stuff. So it's been really fun, like listening to music that I'm just like, these bass lines are fucking sick. And it just, it just gets you moving. Right, right. I know you talk about this a lot, but you have a, like a, you had a, you were in a dating relationship with, with, um, uh, with Emily and, uh, I, it's always curious to me. And I, I, um, when band members are romantically involved and, and the pitfalls that, that, can bring forth were you aware of what did you have like conversations like okay we're going down this road but if we decide it's not the right thing we're going to stay together or not or as a band i mean um what what's your kind of looking back now where you are now which you successfully decoupled for lack of a better word but you're still in the band is that difficult I mean, it's like ancient history anymore, yeah. and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Like, we were playing music, and then when we broke up, it was like, okay, we made you know a record called Water, and it was kind of like around that time, it was about that kind of stuff. And then it was yeah. kind of like since then, it's just like, oh, it's just a band now. Like, we've both like moved on. Like, me and my girlfriend have been together for like four years. Yeah, and yeah. Have a spot together and pets and everything. And, yeah, yeah. And Emily, Emily lives in New Mexico, <laughs> so. I don't know. It's like uh, maybe at the time it was uh, taxing or something like that, but it's it's kind of so far away now that it's just like it's it's no different than any other band. Really. Yeah. Well, it worked. It worked for you. You guys were. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, it's it's um it's um it's laudable that you have um that you were able to to navigate that. I know that it certainly could could go either way. <laughs> yeah. Sure. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. So tell me a little bit about your relationship with touring. Do you like getting out on the road? Like, what has that, what's that sort of been like? You're sort of shuffling around there, kind of like, okay, let's do this. <laughs> oh, I love, yeah, I love it. I mean, I've been doing it for so long. I think I went on my first tour in like 2013. Uh huh. And wow. basically haven't, haven't really stopped. Were you like 12, um, year, 12 years old then, or what? <laughs> <laughs> I think I was, I think I might have just turned 21. Uh-huh. Maybe. So how, maybe how old are you 20. now? You're 30 something? I'm 30, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's fun, especially in the beginning. Like you're just like going around and, you know, half the places you're playing at are people's houses. So then you like wind up staying there and you like, you see what people's lives are like when they like make coffee in the morning or whatever. <laughs> and I'm just like, this is, this is like everything for me. I'm super into it. Um, and obviously it's tra- transformed now. Like we get to go to all these places that I've been like pretty familiar with, but it's, a new context of just like new venues or like, you know, we're just figuring out different ways to like perform that are, you know, more than like what we've been doing also. So it's kind of like, just like new challenges in the same room, I guess. Yeah. What do you mean by new ways of performing? Well, like, I mean like kind of boring things like, you know, Emily's starting to use, um, in-ear monitors and like mm. that's kind of different because basically you're basically just playing with like tiny little headphones in your ears right um and then because of like the records have gotten more textural and sort of there is a little bit more going on like we're kind of like 
figuring out how to realize those songs on the live stage and mm. like how to make them as exciting, but like they're not going to be exactly the same because it's like, you know, we're not just going to be playing like just to straight tracks or anything like that. Also, like we we do play to like drum loops and different things like that where there's like percussion and stuff. Um, but we got we got one of these samplers for Eric to use and it's kind of like um, fused into his drum set. So sometimes when he hits his real drums, it'll also trigger like different sounds and oh, stuff like that that can kind uh, of like add different dimension or like a style that is like prevalent on the record that like we wouldn't be able to do otherwise so hmm. it's kind of like he's kind of becoming like an android slowly over over the course of these records <laughs> he where <will>. he's like <laughs> he's like are you guys even machine. gonna need me at some point no <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he's just like hitting buttons right, um right. but yeah he's he's like especially on this record like with eric and uh drumming like he's like I feel like really like pushed himself and like opened up his repertoire of like what a drum part is. And um, it is, I think the record's a lot more like rhythm centric, maybe because of all the stance music we've all been listening to, but. Uh, oh, the dance music that you've been listening to, like over like the last little period here. Yeah. Uh, okay. <clears throat> like, what are you guys getting into? Uh, my big ones was like my, or I guess my biggest one was moody man. You know him Mm-mm-mm. Detroit techno house guy. Mm-mm. Um, I'm so not kind of familiar like, with that whole world. Oh, he's so sick. Yeah. Um, check him out. I feel like he's pretty influential to like the old school, uh, or like, or to like, it's kind of coming back around. So like, or to me, to me, like people are like getting more, at least my friends are like, Oh yeah. Like techno music. So cool. Like, and I, I can't claim to be any expert, but right. Moody man's my number one. And then like, just like I've been listening to, you know, more beat maker guys like Dilla and Madlib and people like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so you you were talking about how to produce the, the your latest works and 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 replicate them to a certain extent on stage. Um, mm-hmm. Is that something you think about when you're in the studio recording? Like, oh, how are we going to do this? Is that something that occurs to you, or you sort of just move forward and deal? Just make the song and then figure out later. You know, it's like the kind of like a. Do it and then ask for forgiveness later, right? Right, right, or something. Right, right, right. It's kind of the same thing. We're like, we're we're smart. We're creative. We could figure out some way to pull this off, or like, I don't know. And because it is different, it's like you can, you don't have to have every little guitar part that's happening or every little synth, you know, that might make a record really exciting. Because it's like, there's us like on stage wiggling around and like we're there. We're playing it. Like you have something to look at. You know, it's kind of. I mean, you know, it's, it's three dimensional. There's a lot of shit going on. Yeah. Maybe I think about it a lot, like how that is replicated. But when you're in a room with your fans and they're listening to you, I think a little bit of leeway is allowed. <laughs> There's like a threshold, though, because I've definitely seen bands that like I'm like, oh, their records are so cool. And then you go see them live and you're like, this isn't anything like this. Like. Yeah, but like, th- th- those like, are people that are going to a show like thinking like they want to hear exactly what it's like on the album. I'm not in that camp. Right. I want to see this. I want to see the individuals live in the flesh and do what they do. Right. It's got to be recognizable at least though. Well, yeah. Yeah. I'm not talking completely abstract, dude. You guys aren't getting up there and shit in the bed. You're playing your songs, right? And it's right. super compelling. What do you love most about being up there in live performance and being with your bandmates on on on, on stage? Uh, it's probably like a twofold. I love yelling into a loud microphone and I, (laughs) and I love dancing around. Yeah. 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 You move around a lot. You were saying like how, like the music kind of moves you and you feel, I, I I know I read somewhere where you like, you feel like you're really more part of the music when you're really moving around. Yeah. I have my own, like, it's not like I don't like, I don't have it planned out or anything, but like. I certainly like certain guitar lines or something just make me think of like moving my body in certain ways. So there's like all these like micro choreography that I just like, I'm like, Oh yeah, this is the time when I like, I do this. I I put, no, this is my, this is my key. This is my, uh, my signature move here for this. Uh It just feels good. You know, like when like whatever the melody is, is kind of lined up with how your body's moving. It's just like, I mean, that's why dancing is so nice. You just like, I don't know. I feel like any musician is probably like a decent dancer because it's just like all, it is all just. Yeah, like you gotta moving. like, if you just move, yeah, dancing is really just moving your body in time to the music. And if you're a musician, just that's just like, you're just wired for that, basically, right? Mm-hmm. And also being non self conscious. Do you ever, have you, have you been a natural performer? Do you feel at ease up there? And has that always been the case? If so? Yeah, I mean, 
I've definitely played some shows where I've been pretty nervous, but it doesn't happen too much anymore. Like just like the first time, especially like I don't know, like playing. Um, I just I just played a solo. It was like a ten minute solo set at my friend's like variety show in town. Oh, cool! And that was the most nervous I've been probably since for the last ten years of playing music because it was like just me up there and like all songs I had never played in front of people before. You know, so it was like <laughs> I don't know when you. I feel like that's a lot harder. Like I'm in awe. Like there's this guy, um, Fred Thomas, who uh, is in Detroit and he's like, I saw him play and it was just him and a guitar. And it was like the most compelling. Like I was just like fully entranced in this like world and his ease on being on stage. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like, Oh man, would love to be able to do that by myself up there. But I know how to do it when there's a couple other people up there with me for sure. Ah, uh-huh, okay. So yeah, the having the other, would you not relish the uh, the opportunity to play solo somehow? I love doing it. I love to feel afraid. You do? <laughs> yeah. Why is that? I don't know. What does afraid? Like it, what does afraid mean to you? Uh, just nervous out of my comfort zone. Uh huh. Like, because it just makes you better, I guess, or just like, I don't know. You gotta, you gotta. I, I'm all I'm all for like in life and whatever performing like get a little uncomfortable maybe push yourself a little further than you thought you'd go and then that becomes like a new normal and then it's like oh yeah that's not a big deal at all anymore yeah 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 I mean I felt that with podcasting early on when I first started like how am I I'm gonna put this out there like I'm gonna talk in my conversations and people are gonna listen to them and yeah yeah and then you just kind of break through then to the next level or hopefully, but yeah, to break through, um, like personal roadblocks that somehow you've either had in your head or that you've, other people have created somehow like these artificial things, right. That if Mm -hmm. you just push yourself to the, do the next thing. Right. Right. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure like when you started, you know, maybe you're like thinking about podcasting while you're doing it. You're like, I'm podcasting right now, but now you're just podcasting, you know? Yeah. Now I'm just having a conversation with this, uh, with the, with the, you man, with the dude. Well, shit, we're doing it. What's the next, uh, so what's that, ne- what's a thing out there right now that you find is a challenge that you kind of are approaching or would like to kind of break through? That's a good question. I don't know if I, I don't know if I have my sights set on, on one yet. Yeah. It's kind of like. No pressure. No, yeah. I mean, <laughs> we just, we just made this record. So it's kind yeah. of like, it is kind of like figuring out how we're going to do the the songs and like what the set's going to be like, but that's not really like too scary for me. It sounds like kind of like a fun puzzle to figure out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's lined up quite nicely that you've been able, I think back in the fall, you were able to tour flower of devotion quite a bit. Like, yeah, two months. Like, Uh, I mean, you know, we would have been not what it it. would have been normal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 But that you had, it's exciting. You know, you got the new album coming out and you're going to be able to tour that and you're doing a, um, is it the, uh, are at the Metro? Is that going to be an album release show? Mm-hmm. in june oh that's gonna be dope man i'm gonna definitely go to that one it's gonna be sick yeah like we we got to play there we've played there once before i'm trying to remember why we did oh maybe with Stephen malcolmus uh-huh which was fun yeah but yeah, uh yeah. there's nothing like you know you play playing a show when it's like that was like the big thing when we came back our first shows from taking all that time off because this record had come out and then when we came back it was like oh people are coming to the show now and so that was wild. <laughs> yeah. There's like so much energy in the room. So like, you know, that's like the other part of playing live where you're like, you can't, you know, I, it's, I've been noticing a lot. Like I've just writing songs in my room just like, and it's like, oh yeah, all these songs are kind of quiet and like delicate. And it's like, oh yeah, because they haven't been like in the world when there's like someone that might be like feedbacking like energy to you. Mm-hmm. And, and so like the, those tours that we're playing were so fun. Because I think also, like, people were, had never got to see the record. People were just happy to be at a show in general. We were happy to be playing again. Yeah. And so it was just like, everyone's like, let's have the most fun that we could possibly have right now. I love when you said, like, oh, people are coming to the show now. Like, it's like, it was just some bright revelation that seems so simplistic, but it's very, very profound, especially in these times. It's crazy. Yeah, I don't know. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. That they're coming to hear your music and that you're you're playing and that you've been sitting on this thing for quite a while, the prior album, and that now they're now you're doing the thing again. That's it's deep. It's it's really cool and it like you know it feels like bigger than 
feels like bigger than myself or than like any of the three of us or anything. It's just like, oh, wow, this is there's something happening here that I I don't know quite what it is, but it is happening. I hope it keeps done. Well, it's I that hope ener- it keeps going. Yeah, it's that energy exchange. And you, I'm sure you do, do you feed off of that? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Does it do you feed off of it not only on the stage, but also kind of take it back and sort of absorb it and use it going forward in your own life and in your own creative life? Uh, I think in like a way, like when we were writing this record, there was definitely moments where, you know, we were in the practice space and I was like, oh, wow, like these chords just feel like it should be like echoing out in some big room, like, you know, yeah, like a yeah, sound, yeah, you know, like, yeah. like the, the classic stereotypical like sound check where they're like, boom, they hit one chord and it's just like echoing through this empty room. I'm like, this chord would sound pretty good in that kind of context. I'm like, yeah. maybe we could play on a stage like that we could try it out yeah so yeah so those feelings of doing it in in actually a live setting and then creating it on your own and creating that scenario in your own head sort of sounds like that kind of motivates you to get psyched about it you can kind of picture it you know yeah yeah Um, yeah, that's cool in that like david byrne book um how music how music works yeah 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 have you read that yeah i'm kind of making my way through it he, uh, I think in the early, it's one of the early chapters, but it's about spaces and, mm-hmm. you know, like he's talking about like chamber music was made for these kind of echoey spaces. Yeah. 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 The, um, I, the environment. Right. I kind of think about it that way too, where it's like, or I recognize what he's talking about in this kind of feeling where you're like, oh yeah, I'm writing the song that feels like it could be in this place now, rather than like, you know, back in the day you're writing in music for these like DIY places where like you know, maybe there's a vocal PA that's broken and that's like what, that's like the extent of like what the environment sounds. It just sounds loud and crazy. So you're like, <laughs> and you just up. play loud and fast and kind of crazy and yeah. you just try to yell as much as possible. And now it's like, it's also now we have like the ability where we're going to be at like venues where you can have slow or quiet songs and it like doesn't maybe feel, it feels like it, like it, the potential is to be equally as captivating because yeah. Because you'll be able to hear what's going on, actually. It feels like more dark room indoor music than it does. Like, I keep picturing, like, the big stage at Pitchfork and, like, that just... Uh, how does that feel when you're, like, at a festival? When <laughs> I, I, just, I kind of feel... I, when I think of you, and I now I know you a little bit, I think of the bottle. Like, that's just such a great room. Oh, man. Yeah. But, like, I feel like sun, sunlight's the enemy of a live first performance, you know? It's what? Sorry? Sunlight is like the enemy of a live performance. Sunlight is, <laughs> yeah, yeah. As you're sitting in your room with the the, uh, uh, what is it? Oh my God, I'm blanking on the term. What's that called? A very the skylight. Window. No, the skylight. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> now the the sun is off your face. I can see your face though. <laughs> but yeah, sunlight is the enemy of the live show. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For some, I guess. Tell me about that. For for how that affects Dad. I mean, I, I guess like maybe we actually do okay in it, but like anytime I want to see a show, it's just like I want it to be late and I want it to be dark and like, yeah, you know, because it's like about like losing yourself in this music and, and like in the, it's about being surrounded and you're like outside and there's sun on your face and like it's hot and you're like, I don't know, there's all these barriers to just like transcendence or something like that. Yeah. Maybe it's also helps you get in there, you get a little dehydrated, whatever. Oh, it's all, fu- it's all so many different ways of fucked up though like a hot dirty dusty festival too i'm sure you know it's hard on fans it's hard on performers it's not ideal setting but there 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 are also pluses you know it's like you know how they do the 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 movies in the park in chicago right it's like yeah is that the best environment no you want to go to like the music box and see it in some like 70 millimeter screen right but Mm -hmm. sometimes it's just that collective vibe that let's get everybody together and and we're going to do this maybe it's not like the most perfect from an acoustic or from a you know a master production standpoint that you look at it from yeah i mean i i I think yeah there's a lot to be said about just like collective energy which yeah you don't get in right you just don't get in that dark music box room but uh but yeah, like um, oh, I don't know. Actually, I just had a, I did have a memory of playing a festival one time where like the way the stage was positioned, it was like in direct sunlight, and my mic was on, you know, on stage. Obviously, after we had sound checked and stuff, yeah, where the opening band and the mic got so hot that I <laughs> put my mouth on it to start singing and it burned me. Jesus, oh man, an un- unforeseen, you know, unforeseen. Uh, 
dangers of playing outside. Yeah, so like, right. So you touch your like lips to the mic and it was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, I'm like, I'm surprised that it didn't have just like a, you know, permanent blister or something. Better than be getting shocked. Yeah, true. I've <laughs> seen that shit happen. That's scary. Oh, that is fucked up, man. Yeah. T- what happened? Uh, I was actually doing sound for Twin Peaks and uh, they, uh, one of the guys put it, you know, just put his mic mouth on the microphone and then literally it, like f- knocked him onto the ground. Shit. It was like, it was, that was like one of the craziest ones I've ever seen. And I feel kind of responsible because I was like, that's technically, that's my micro, that's my electricity you own to, you know, somehow in this weird web of cables and everything. Nothing you can do about it, but. How do you prevent it from happening? I'm not like a sound guy. There's like a grounding thing that's going on, right? And I just, something got fucked up. You can, yeah, there's like, it's mostly like a problem with like the building's grounding. So uh, like, there's some uh, like little uh, tricks you can do, but sometimes it's just a best case scenario and like you put a sock on it or whatever. Right. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, something, let's talk about Dead a little bit. And on the website, there is, um, there's a voicemail, like, and you guys give out a number to, yeah. for people to talk about their bad love experience, presumably. Mm-hmm. It's phenomenal. What, <laughs> <laughs> I listened to all of the, there's only like a handful of them up right now. Yeah. I, I just love the concept. I love any time anytime a band is like reaching out to fans, getting fans involved in just some fashion and in a unique fashion like that. I really applaud that. I think it's I think it's 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 exciting, it's fun, you know, it creates a relationship with your fans. Um so walk me through a little bit of the thinking with that and w- how you guys are sort of viewing it and it's gotta be fun uh-huh. from your from your standpoint, I would assume. There are some pretty funny stories. I mean, I was like, when I first saw like the first one or like heard the first one, I was like, oh my gosh, this is actually really sweet. And then the like twist to the story was like their date wound up peeing on them or something on accident (laughs) or on purpose. And I was just like, oh wow, man, like I was not anticipating this. (laughs) Right, right, right. Um, But we got the phone number for the, actually for the last record, um, kind of be all inspired also by this like dance music stuff you know there used to be these like rave hotlines i think there still oh, are I've, okay. I've, I've heard them where it's just like you know a number you would call in and it would be this loop of like the the party details uh-huh. and so i was like oh it'd be sick to do that and so for the last record we got a phone number and then it was basically just kind of this loop of like whatever song and some fun sound effects that i put on it right and then this time i was like oh yeah we could make a little voicemail thing of it and I think like Emily is also trying to like act some of them out uh, for TikTok. Um, ah, okay, interesting. Some of these, some of these stories. So, um, it's just kind of a fun other way of like being like, we heard this, we heard your story, and then here's Emily reenacting it for you. That's in really so many ways. That's really cool. What what's your what's your relationship with your fan base, and and um, what are you kind of sort of striving for in that in that regard? What, how what does it mean to you, and sort of why is it important? Um, I mean, I guess I I mean I was going to say I love everyone. I'm like I don't love them all personally, but I love I do lo- like I don't know. Fans are amazing, and like I think the kind of one of the goals are like. I have and I think of the band does too is like accessibility and like like I want to make music that also someone can hear and then be like the same kind of switch we were talking about earlier where it's like oh I could be in a band like I don't know how like Eric Eric didn't know how to play drums until he started playing in our band mm. he never played drums before in his life and so it's like you know I I, I, I kind of like Emily with bass also like that was like a very new instrument for her mm-hmm. and so it's like I want people to be like empowered to like express themselves. And so if like we can be an example for that, I think that's really cool. And yeah, I don't know. Like it's just like reciprocal appreciation. I I hope like I it's like really touching to hear that people like connected with like the last record and, and people seem excited about this new one and yeah. So like I don't know, to be able to like make something that is like kind of uh you know, it's just like a personal experience that I had or or Emily or, or, or Eric, you know, depending on whose song it is on the record. Mm-hmm. It's just like making this thing to hope that it could be useful for someone else and someone could see some other part of their, you know, human experience in it. 
That's really cool. That's like a super like altruistic kind of viewpoint about who, what, why you're creating music and, and why you're up there. Is, is that like a, has that always been sort of a part of your personality is sort of looking out for other people and trying to operate in the mode of being inspiring to others? Or, or has that been mm -hmm. something that's kind of developed over the last few years? Well, I think it's like, I mean, at the end of the day, like I love making music and it's like, you know, it's been really helpful for me and it's also like helpful for my, you know, my mental state and like processing emotions and stuff. So it's like, mm. I think, yeah, just being able to like make the space for someone else. I don't know how long I've been really thinking about that, but it's, it's just kind of like, I, I like this and it makes me feel so good. So like, I hope that you feel like you could, I mean, I know like you meet so many people too that are like, I can never do that or whatever. I'm like, yeah, you can like, yeah. you got ideas. Like, I don't know. Just demyst demystify, de-legendify, like... Yeah. Because music kind of seems a little, like, you know, like, I can't even imagine, like, you know, for me as a kid, feeling like it seemed kind of, like, inaccessible. And then, like, I don't know. I could just imagine how, how like, out of reach that might feel to people. Yeah, well, you, you said something interesting in that, um, you know, it, music sort of helps you access certain emotions, or was mm -hmm. that the other way around? Like you, you have emotions that you're you're able to um, process because of music. Mm -hmm, Can you talk totally. about that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I've actually gotten a lot better over the last few years about talking about my feelings. But uh, mm -hmm. but I think that it, like especially when I was younger, and it still does remain to this day. Like I kind of had taken a little time off from from making music in my room, or like at all, you know, and. Um, getting back into just like writing songs in my room, I'm like, Oh, right. There's this huge part of my life that is just like, you know, it's like helping me make sense of the world that is around me mm -hmm. and whatever, whatever that, whatever might be going on, you know, it's just like, yeah, kind of create, maybe it's just like being in touch with like a different part of myself that I'm not normally interfacing with throughout the day when you're just getting shit done or doing whatever. But it's like, this is my time I sit here. And I reflect and, I, you know, a word might pop in my head and I might run with that and see mm. what I think about it. Or, or, you know, it's just kind of like a, it's time you set aside to, like, do the internal kind of stuff. Yeah. And that and then in doing that, what part does music play for you? It's the vehicle, I guess. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's just sympathetic. Like chords are like feelings in themselves. And so, you know, you strike a thing and like. I feel like I'm forever stuck in like melancholy, you know, it's like hard for me to like make something sound so super joyful. Like there's always there, like, I'm like, ah, I don't like the sound of that. But then there's some other little note that you throw in there that like kind of makes it like a little sadder. I'm like, that's the one bingo, you know, oh, it's just like what resonates with my normal, I guess, frequency or whatever. It's just like kind of down tempo, a little sad. I don't even think I'm like a, terribly sad person but that's just like what i resonate on huh that's interesting i mean if you you um that you sort of like hone in on that sort of melancholy part is that is that the sort of part of your personality i guess so. <laughs> i'm like the uh the uh because it doesn't feel that way that's why i'm like i'm you know you don't you don't seem you you seem like you're kind of a, a, a very upbeat and we, we, you know, we've talked about your, um, you know, really positive attitude about, about music and about where you are and what, where you're going. But when you're sort of access, accessing this stuff, it, you want to get into kind of a little bit more of a sort of moody melancholy side. Yeah. I guess uh, maybe I'm just like the optimistic pessimist or something like that. Yeah. So I mean, I there are emotions and all emotions are valid, so it doesn't have to be one way or the other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, totally. I, I yeah, I, for whatever reason, I tend to. I mean, it's quite hard to write a happy song, anyways. Though you know, like happy is <laughs> a lot less interesting. But that's not really why I'm doing it. But that's just it is tough. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. It's all good, man. Um, so you guys are going. You're doing like a couple dates in the UK. Is there, are those makeup dates? Um. Well, we were supposed to be on a tour um, with Future Islands, oh, wow. and. Um, just because of like the uncertainty of, I guess it would be the Omicron wave, you know, it yeah, was like yeah. just a month or two ago they had to cancel it, but we yeah. had a few of our own shows already booked. So, so we're going to play those ones yeah. and it'll be great. Cause it's the first time we've been over there 
you know, I guess in two and a half, three years or something like that. So yeah, and only cool. the second time anyway. So it's kind of like a quick hop over there. I think it's like three dates in the UK, one in Ireland, and then you're back over here and you start at, uh, I think like from what I understood was shaky knees in Atlanta. Yeah. That'll be, that's a great festival for you guys. And my morning jacket's going to be there too, is one of my favorites. And that's kind of a, that's an interesting, that's a good place for you guys to be, man. That's like, you're going to access a lot of different people that maybe would not have ordinarily dead may not have ordinarily come across their radar. It's just kind of, mm -hmm. I don't know off the top of my head. I love when there's, um, you know, really, really interesting combinations of artists at festivals. Totally. Yeah. I mean, like, would you agree with that? Am I, you think I'm off base on that? What's your view? I've never been to shaking knees, but yeah. I'm excited to go. Okay. Uh, cool. but yeah, I mean, no, I totally agree. Like we, like even the bands that we're taking on tour with us in May, it's like, one of them is like a rap group and the other one is, uh, I guess it's like electronic dance music kind of. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I think there's like, yeah, it's way more interesting to like have a bill or a festival when it's like, maybe some things have like a common thread. Like there, I think there's like common themes or like things that yeah. you might recognize in both things, but yeah. it's like, it's not just another guitar indie rock band, you know, like, right, like right, I've right. seen three of these before I seen you play, you know, like, yeah. Keep it interesting. Yeah, the through line is always very interesting, and it's always interesting to conjecture as to what that through line is. But if I'm there with for a favorite band, and there's another band on that on the bill, and I respect the festival and the organizers that put it together, I'm like, yeah, I'm down. Oh, you think this? I like. I'll like this based on the other bands that are here. Yeah, let's do it. Totally. Yeah. It's like your. It's like the physical version of your Spotify curated playlist. You know. Precisely. Yeah. Totally. 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 Um. Cool, man. Well, there's so many exciting things going on. I wish you the best of luck with this, uh, with the tour and the and and Blue Skies, which is coming out. Uh, when's the album coming out? May 27th. Right on, right on, man. Uh, I'm sure you're really psyched about that, and um, and you guys are awesome, man. It's just like Chicago represent, man. Indie, Yo, indie Chicago I band. I love it. I love it. We we rep Chicago like till the day we die. It's just like the best place. Right on, right on. Okay, man. Uh, thanks a lot for being here, Jason. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for um, opening up the world of dead a little bit for Roadcase, man. I really appreciate you being here. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks, dude. Cheers. Sweet. Okay, that was Jason Bala. And me talking, uh, just um, just such a cool guy. I just loved um, loved his uh, listening to him talk about how he puts his own music together and what that means to him. He's just a guy that's down to do anything and everything musical, and it's just. Uh, super inspiring and informative to hear him talk about how he's putting the albums together, uh, different ways of capturing the sound that he um, feels in his head is the most appropriate uh, for any one song or any one moment. I also loved talking to Jason about cycling in Chicago. That's kind of a big thing here. And uh, um, I applaud that big props for him as a, as a city cyclist, as am I. I um, love talking to him about live sound engineering and his transition from that and uh, to production and um, uh, the different kinds of things that you need to think about when you're pumping sound into a room versus creating sound that others are going to to listen to on their own. Just in a, an interesting uh, uh, insight into his own creative process and uh, how he um, how he looks at sound and production and style in uh, in Dead's unique, very unique, uh, precise creative creative and very emotive form of music. And uh, Jason loves to perform live as well. We, I love talking to him about dark rooms versus bright, hot festivals. Uh, and uh, that ambient of a dark room kind of fits his band and his vibe, I think. And, uh, and uh, you know, he was willing to talk about that and confirm that suspicion as well. Uh, Dead's got a bunch of tour dates, like I said at the top, uh, this month, uh, the month of May. And of course, they have their new album coming out May 27th. 
month called Blue Skies. So uh, make sure to go to their website for more information on that. Can't wait for that date. That's coming right up. And of course, that's also produced by Jason as well. Uh, and also, if you're going to see them in Chicago, for you Chicago people, they're playing at the Metro on June 4th. So give me a shout out if you're going to be there. Would love to say hello. Uh, thanks again for being here for this episode. And I want to send a special thank you to Jason Bala for being here on this episode of Road Case. Thanks again so much for listening. And I'd like to encourage everyone to get involved with Road Case. You can do so in a number of different ways. You can Email me at info at roadcasepod.com with questions, comments, and even suggestions for guests. Or you can follow us on the socials, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We're at roadcasepod. And we have a YouTube channel called Roadcase Podcast. And of course, you can subscribe to this podcast on your favorite listening platform. And if you could please rate and review the podcast while you're there, that would be great. So I want to thank Waltzer for this awesome theme music that we have. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in and listening to Roadcase. We have a lot of great episodes coming up, so I'll see you on down the road. Yeah.